0: into the net by Kylian Mbappé Oh Benyera, beautifully done Cornet finds Dembele The first touch is good, the second is deadly Neymar still Oh my word, what a goal Got lovely finish Oh yes, delivery again, head header Here's an opportunity, Sanchez Outrageous goal from Gael Kakuta It's playing it again And Goldberg,
1: Messi again This time maybe Messi's done it
2: Hello welcome to Le Bonjeur, the official Ligue 1 Uber Eats podcast in English. Given we're almost at the end of the season, it's appropriate this podcast is all about very nearly getting things over the line. PSG are almost champions, Lens are very nearly in the Champions League, Nantes virtually have both feet in Ligue 2, and I'm close to running out of ways of saying almost. There's all that plus Deja Vu, bon voyage, and we'll be getting absolutely everything right. Almost literally virtually with me today are Angus Terode and Andy Scotts. We're starting up in northern France, Marseille looking to qualify automatically for next season's Champions League group stage to do that, they have to finish in the top two. They knew heading north they had to overhaul loss or at least try to in the closing games of the season. Lille Lancer's arch rivals and bitter neighbors surely wouldn't be helping Frog a side out, would they? Armel Tongi saw this one.
0: Malinowski spotted the run of on side here. Has Sanchez far post. Jonathan Claus gets it in. 1-0 Marseille. And we were saying earlier, the former last man would love to score here. He has. What a ball it was from Malinowski. No doubt about the offside decision. A good three or four yards onside. Jonathan Claus pokes it over Lucas Chevalier. Great finish. Or not so. It came off the goalkeeper's foot to uh, go over him and in. But he won't care much. He's put Marseille in front here, Jonathan Claus. All about the through ball from Malinowski. And Marseille temporarily move a point above Lens and back into second. Balerba on towards Bomber. And Cabore with the error, and this time it is a penalty. Carlos Baleba with the presence of mind to follow up that loose ball. Paulo Lopez caught scrambling, following the Cabore error. And Lille, two and a half minutes into this second period, they've got a way back into this one. Credit to Carlos Baleba, followed that one up to try and get something. And that's exactly what happened. Can he handle the pressure, Jonathan David? He can. He puts it past Paul Lopez and it's one-all here. Full credit goes to Carlos Baleba for winning that penalty. And then Jonathan David. So good in that exercise, letting his 22nd goal of the season into the corner. Good height, difficult for the goalkeeper and Lille. Back on level terms. Bomba into David. Lovely first time ball into Angel Gomez. Far side is Cabela. He's been found by Gomez. Remy Cabela towards Jonathan Bomba. And it's 2 one Leo. A lovely team move finished by Jonathan Bomba. A sixth goal of the season for Jonathan Bomba. That may well be the most important one. Quick passing from Paulo Fonseca's men. Remy Cabella drifted into space. The cross was pinpoint. And Jonathan Bomber just had to head it on target from that sort of distance. It was always going to be tough for Paulo Lopez.
2: So Lille doing Loss a massive favour, gentlemen. Um, and Lille also doing themselves a favour, really. Staying in the European hunt... One point clear of Rennes, more of them later, because uh, Rennes also won this weekend. Uh, just a reminder to finish in the top five in Ligue 1 guarantees Europa Conference League football for next season.
3: Thoughts on this one, gentlemen? Marseille, I think, are um, going all a bit wrong at the end of the st- this uh, season. No, they've suddenly gone on a bit of a losing spree. Igor uh, Tudor's not been able to find the um, the route back into second place. And uh, it's coincided with Lance um, really capitalising on their form in the in. And uh, I think that Marseille are probably in the position now where they deserve to be. It's uh, not been going right for them. Uh, um, Alexis Sanchez hasn't scored perhaps enough goals this season. He's had a decent first um, season in France, but he's not quite on the same level as the strikers um, in the other teams that are above them. And I think that Marseille will probably now go into the uh, the Champions League playoff place, which will make them very nervous indeed after what happened to Monaco in the last two seasons.
1: I think that's a little, bit, a little bit of a harsh um, take, Angus, to be honest, because uh, just looking back at Marseille's results, if you go back to the beginning of October, the only teams that have beaten them are probably teams that you would say kind of fair enough. You know, they've lost twice to PSG, they've lost twice to Lens. They lost at home to Nice when when Nice were on a brilliant run. Now they've lost away to a Lille team who themselves have not lost a home game since August. So I think um I think in that sense, you know, it's not necessarily it's probably just a bit par for the course for Marseille. I think they're doing just fine. I think third place is a perfectly acceptable um position for them to come in at the end of this season. I think that they have they've been fabulous at times. They play with an intensity um that very few teams in the French game can match. And and I think that probably at the beginning of the season, if if you'd said you're going to finish third at the end of the campaign, I think they probably would have accepted it. Obviously, now it's going to condition how they approach um, the coming campaign in terms of who they can sign, who they might have to sell, because there's a bit of uncertainty about whether they'll be in the Champions League or not. But they've got a chance. They're going to go into next season with with the possibility of being in the Champions League group stage again, with the guarantee of being involved in European competition again and I think it's probably just about okay as I said on the podcast last week one of the issues might be the future of Igor Tudor is he still going to be at Marseille next season because there probably are some doubts about that but I think on the whole it's been a a successful season for them and and I think that there's no disgrace in losing away to a very good Lille team
3: Yeah, you know, I guess it's those two draws against Montpellier and Lorient that um, are going to be ultimately the difference for them in the, the end of March, beginning of April, if I remember correctly, and those were two results really where they had to, to had to win that, and they were still in the um, the hunt for the title at that point as well. So they were, I think that Marseille are there. They have a, a set of fans who are very very demanding. Um, they don't accept anything that is um, well, particularly lower than Paris Saint Germain. Um, Paris Saint Germain haven't had maybe the season that their fans would expect either, but they've still had the better run on uh, Marseille. And I think that uh, really, if we, we, we'll come probably to Launce in a little while, but really it's them that have um, made everybody else look, I think, um, put them into perspective about what you can expect from a squad.
1: And it, just, just just to finish on this, actually, and, and it's something <clears throat> that I think we, we need to talk about as well when we talk about Lance, about the, the extent to which they have overperformed this season. Marseille, with two games left, have already got more points, um than they did in the whole of last season when they finished second. So, you know, again, Igor Tudor is is doing a fine job. And when you think back to the 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 way in which his appointment was um greeted by the Marseille fans who who really loved Jorge San Um maybe there's a bit of revisionism required about what the job that Sampaoli did previously and the job that Tudor is doing now in comparison to that. Maybe just shows you that you know Sampaoli did fine. Tudor might not finish as high up the table but it's in a different context a different league with different opponents and again I think uh, I think it's perfectly acceptable where Marseille are are, are going to come this season
2: yeah Tudor Tudor laying down a marker as well before this game Dimitri Payet's attitude in the final training session before the game Tudor didn't like it he leaves Payet out now this is this is this is big for many reasons Payet a massive uh, Marseille icon of course but also because he's suspended for the final three games of the season after his uh, little tête-à-tête with uh, with uh, that that well-known Ligue Uber Eats angel Yannick Kowaczek, and uh, it could potentially mean that Dimitri Payet has played his last game, already played his last game uh, for, for Marseille, even though he does still have another another year left on his deal. I think what you said, Andy, about Igor Tudor's future is is particularly interesting because. Where, where would they go? I mean, like you said, Tudor, His name was booed before the very first game against Reims of the season. He's done. I think he's done a tremendous job. I think he's. I think he's the one of the one of the coaches who's ideal for this role in Marseille. His 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 character, uh, his his qualities. He also he's dealt with a, with a squad that yeah. was hugely changed compared to last season. I think they had twelve new signings in the summer and 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 yet somehow he's managed to put a put a, put a team together of course Leal as well Paolo Fonseca will come on to him uh, a little bit later when we talk about the, the the coach of the year nominees he was a slightly surprise inclusion but Leal fifth place talk about loss over overachieving Marseille playing uh, doing really well despite looking like they're going to finish third instead of second but Leal. I get the feeling that this is just a this is a they've a little bit undercooked this season, haven't they?
1: Um, I I I don't know if I agree with that. I think probably if you look at the the, the league table now, it's um, it's probably about right, and I think that applies, as I said, to Marseille. I think it probably applies to Lille as well. Um, I I was kind of surprised yesterday when I sort of looked at the table after all the games have been played and, and realized that fourth place is really on not just for Lille, but for Rennes as well. And so there's still a chance they could get a, a Europa League place. And I think that would be um, a huge success for Lille. I think finishing the top three was always going to be uh, a very big ask for them. Finishing fourth would be great. And I think finishing fifth would be just fine. I think for Lille to to, to kind of rebuild again after finishing in mid-table last season on the back of their, their title win, I think this is a, a big step back in the right direction. I think Paulo Fonseca has done a really good job. I think his team play really good football. Um, and I think, that you know, again, that's borne out in their results at home. I mean, I think they've had, they, they've they've gone 16 home games unbeaten since the end of August uh, between League and Cup. 14 games of those coming in the league. Their away form has not been quite as good, but listen, I think, I think they play great football. I think that Paulo Fonseca is clearly an innovative, intelligent coach who, I think it's quite a coup for Lille to have him, actually. I think that um again I wouldn't be that surprised if if clubs in bigger leagues, shall we say, are looking at him and thinking maybe we'd like to have him, and, and it makes you wonder what, what Lille would do then. But I, I don't think you can say that Lille are undercooked. I think that I think if they finish fifth, that's an absolutely uh, excellent performance from them. But the danger is, of course, that they they still might not qualify for Europe at all, and that would be disappointing because they have spent much of the season in uh, in in a European qualified position, so they're not there yet. But I think they, they've they've got themselves in a great position, and this was another excellent result for them at the weekend, especially coming from behind.
3: At the risk of um, spreading some harmony amongst their rather competitive start to the pod, which is quite cool. I actually agree with Andy on this. I think Leal have had a very good season. Oh yeah, uh, <laughs> I do. No, I'm, I'm I'm with you on that. I mean, um, I mean, it's a real battle. Actually, it's probably the best one of the best battles is that battle for fifth place at the moment because. There's only a couple of points between fourth and sixth. No team that has got as many points as Rennes has not finished fifth, and yet they're not in the top five. So that means that Lille are there as well. Monaco have this horrible habit of giving away points when they're leading this season. So there's no guarantee that they're going to hold on to fourth place, I think. it's a. It should be a really good last two games in the battle for that last place in Europe.
2: Yeah, I think my, my point about them undercooking it is that I, I feel that they, they really should have had fourth and uh that's because
1: yeah I mean, but <clears throat> i know but yeah, i mean Mon- monaco are in fourth Mon- monaco are not a bad side i mean they've they've not been great recently but they are a pretty good side
2: <laughs> i think on paper yes <laughs> but they haven't they haven't been they haven't been a very good side for the last four, four or five months and uh as angus said dropping points after going front as they did on friday with abanyere a penalty 1 minute and 10 seconds into the game at leon and yet, uh, Ryan Shirky inspired Leon coming from behind. Shirky on his one, already his 100th appearance for, for Leon in, in competitive fixtures. Alexandre Lacazette as well uh, with the opening goal. He's been involved in more than 30 goals now, 31 goals this season, 26 he scored. Uh, that's a third, in a third different league and season. Only Kylian Mbappe and Slatan Ibrahimovic have managed to do that uh, since stats began. In the mid, uh, in the mid-noughties. Uh, just, just one thing to come back to from that Lille game: fiftieth league Uber Eats score for Jonathan David's. Wonder how many more he'll be getting of those. And a curious thing: three Jonathans on the score sheet in that game: David Bomber and uh, Santa Claus. Is for, that a, uh, f- is that a first? Not, that's.
3: First since Optus uh, started sta- analysing the competition back in two
2: thousand and five six. No, no, since <laughs> since uh, since I started analysing the competition <laughs> for that sort of particular stat since this weekend, <laughs> definitely a first. <laughs> so we're talking about we're talking about the the race for fourth, uh, fifth, and uh, six. Well, I'm not quite sure it's a race for six. It's a race to, to not finish in six. Monaco on sixty five points now. Leal on sixty three with still two games to play as well. And Ren. Just behind them, and that's because they absolutely trounced, uh, relegated Ajaxio at the weekend. Amin Gwiri, Amin talking about undercooking things. Amin Gwiri on uh, on fire this time with a first career hat trick, forty goals, a career best tally for the season. Um, I'd like a lot more from I'd like a lot more from Amin Gwiri, quite frankly, and I hope I hope we'll see that next season. Jeremy Doku. Also, ending the season uh, in really, really good form too. He got another. Mm. That's five, five goals and two assists in his last six. Couple of assists for Lovro Meyer. I think Ren Wren should have been pushing a lot harder. I mean, they're pushing now, but it's because Monaco have been been stumbling so badly. Um, but Wren, uh, Lille, and Monaco still in uh, that race for the last two European places. Toulouse could well be in Europe next season, having won the uh, won the Coupe de France very very looks uh, very likely. I think there's a there is a certain concordance of unfortunate circumstances that could deny them, right, chaps?
1: To lose a European place. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean this this is uh I presume we've touched on this before on the podcast, but uh the, the issue obviously for them is is the fact that they are owned by Redbird Capital Partners who who also own Milan in Italy um and UEFA rules prevent Two clubs with the same owners competing in in the same European competition. Now, obviously, um, there has been a lot of speculation about this um, in in the French media about, about the the potential impact for for Toulouse of Milan qualifying for Europe, which looks likely. I haven't looked at the Serie A table in the last sort of twelve hours since the end of the weekend's games. I know that Inter lost yesterday, so I think Milan still have a chance of finishing in in the top four. Um, but essentially, if if Milan are in the are in the Champions League. Um, that would have consequences for Toulouse because Toulouse going into the Europa League. Well, Milan could end up dropping into the Europa League, and you couldn't have the two teams playing in the same competition. Um, so, a solution would need to be found for that. Uh, that's not impossible. There are workarounds available to clubs, uh, ways of doing things, which you know we don't exactly know what it would entail. But I just you know would raise the example of RB Leipzig and Red Bull Salzburg, who who played in the same group in the Europa League about five or six years ago now, despite being owned by Red Bull. Um and that's because because essentially uh they found a way of of changing the official structure of ownership, I think, at Leipzig to, to make to make it so that they officially didn't have the same owners as Salzburg. So there are ways of doing this um that should ensure that Toulouse play in Europe next season. I, I suspect that we will not get to that point where they're not involved in Europe. I know that Damian Comoli the Toulouse president, I think he promised after the the the, the Cup final uh, a few weeks ago that, you know, Toulouse would be in Europe next season. So watch this space. I certainly hope that they get to play in Europe. I think it's been about 15 years since Toulouse were, were last involved in Europe and, and having won the Cup, they deserve to be there. So hopefully they can sort it out.
2: Well, Toulouse, Toulouse could well be in Europe. One team that won't be. Having started the season with very much European ambitions is Nice. Nice down in fifth place. Nil-nil draw at home to Toulouse at the weekend. Fewer than ten thousand inside the Allianz Riviera, and I think more important than the than the results and the fact that Nice are going to finish well down in mid-table and that maybe Ineos are going to buy Manchester United is criticism from Dante. I don't know if you gentlemen saw this, but uh, Dante doesn't come out very often and criticise his own club. Uh, he's he's a very very loyal and 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 uh, a very loyal servant and a very good example for teammates and and also i think other employees at, at the club but dante's coming out and saying after that that game don't make the same mistakes as last season when we brought in six players late in the transfer window and also saying don't talk too much because he said people get frustrated and i think obviously he's referring to to the the, the statement of ambitions i don't know if you remember but uh, when lucian Favre came in even he was talking about qualifying for the champions league or having to qualify for the champions league pretty much every season in a couple of seasons and nice nice seem to be quite a long way off that i mean it does strike me as that that they're sort of a a little bit of a mini psg in in a way they've got they've got the means but they haven't quite got it all they haven't quite put all the pieces in the right place yet to be able to 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 utilize those means in the best possible
1: way and i sorry i'm gonna let i'll let angus speak on this because i've been talking away but 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 when you say that, also um, worth pointing out the Manchester United uh, ownership situation, the 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 sale of 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 the old Trafford club, the the two potential buyers, you've got um, a Qatari banker with, um, you know, depending on who you speak to, greater or or lesser links to the to to the state of Qatar that owns PSG. What could that mean for Paris Saint Germain? That would that would have to be seen. And of course, Jim Ratcliffe is the other one trying to buy. Um, Manchester United and it's Ratcliffe's Ineos that owns Nice. So you know, two clubs who who could be who could be impacted by by what happens at Manchester United in the in the in the weeks and months to come, if indeed somebody ends up buying them.
3: I think that uh, this opens up to a wider um, conversation about um, the timeline that uh, clubs, both in the board and in the terraces, put on success when. Um, Teams get a bit of an injection of money, new owners, et cetera, et cetera. We'll see that at Lyon now with uh, their new owners in the seasons that come up ahead. And the problem is for uh, Nice is, of course, they lost Christophe Galtier at just that point as well, which he had had a pretty good season. It, it might not have been an absolutely brilliant season, but they they certainly showed definite progression. But in terms of, of, a, of a team that uh, is going to challenge for things like Champions League, I think if a, if anybody's promising things like that sustainably in less than a five-year period, then they're not really looking at it, I think, seriously. You, do, you can't just suddenly become absolutely brilliant. I mean, OK, Manchester City. But, I mean, that type of injection of cash, they still went through the process of coming up through the divisions. They bought players according to... Where they were and now of course they are dominant they've just wrapped up the Premier League title on a a weekend where Paris Saint-Germain could have done but didn't quite Um, and I think that with Nice it was a a little bit of an eye-opener I thought at the beginning of the season when you have to change your coach which means you're going to completely change the direction that the team go in terms of tactics and you're making statements like we're going to be in the Champions League when you look around at the other teams that are there and a team like Lance, for example, I mean we're all talking about how Lance have been overperforming, but they've been overperforming since they came up. It's just that at the end of the seasons they ended up they just tailed off. This season they've turned that around. But that's all come from a sustained uh, construction in an idea, in a coach in Frank Hayes, even though I admit that he accidentally became the coach late on in their League 2 campaign. But nevertheless, the belief has always been there. They're a very well-run club. They have stability. And you stability, I think, is the number one thing you need in a club if you are going to seriously kick on. You can't keep on just upending everything and expect a magic formula just to happen. And I think that with Nice, it... I don't think they were ever going to really challenge for the the Champions League this season, particularly with the changes in personnel as well. And I think that uh, sometimes, I think Danch is absolutely right when he he turns around and says, well, maybe clubs should not make these grandiose statements at the beginning of seasons. And they should, particularly when you have just upended everything in the club.
2: Well, one team that will be in the Champions League next season, it looks like, is Lance? Let's head back to the top of the table. If you remember, coming into the weekend, Lens were in second place, two points clear of Marseille. Lens watched, or well, possibly, I'm not quite not quite sure what Francaise side do on a, on a Saturday evening before a game, but they saw Lille win against Marseille on Saturday. That meant that Lens knew victory at Lorient on Sunday would take them five points clear, with just six left to play for in the season. Second place was. Within touching distance, Callum Brown saw this one.
4: A silly foul by Agbadou. Well, that's very poor, and unlike Lance. And it's an early goal here for L'Oreal. Roman favourite continues his fine streak of form. a lackadaisical, at the back. A rare mistake from that man, Breece Somber. Who's a real contender for League Young Goalkeeper of the Season? But it's an error all round. Medina here goes to take the quick throw in. Somba hesitates, but it's brilliantly anticipated by favourite. And Jonathan Grady can't keep it out. Well, an early error from the visitors and the hosts. Lorion have pounced. Gradi unlucky on the line, but it's well finished by favourite. Ball falls to Sotoka here. Florian Sotoka. It's taken a huge, huge deflection. But it's the luck that Lance needed. And they are back level. Vogel, and in Vogel. second for Fana. lays it off. Or Florian Sotoka looks. Like it was going to be fairly comfortable for the goalkeeper. Ball into the box. It may fall for Openza here. It's come to Fofana. Shifted it onto his weaker left. Here from Kalulu? And there is Adrian Thomason. Rankowski with the initial ball in. It wasn't dealt with. Innocent with the clearance. Poor from Fofana to lose the ball, but Kalulu. Oh, goodness, what's he doing? Easy as you like for Thomas on. Forward they come through, Filgini. Left by Claude Maurice. Seco Fofana. Wraps it up for Lance. It's a goal that's going to take them five clear. Of third place, Marseille. With two remaining, one at home to on next weekend. Champions League football on its way back to the Stad Boulart. Seco Fofana wraps up the three points. The captain with his third and his last three. And that's what it means to them.
2: Well, gentlemen, Franck is... It's what I was alluding to in my uh, slightly cryptic intro. He says, for a coach, almost doesn't exist that's because he was asked well loss are almost in the Champions League they are almost in the Champions League uh Champions League group stages next season Florian Sotoka, first goal for him in in seven months I I, I know he's 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 a pod, perennial pod favorite uh Adrian Thomason I mean did anybody doubt that Adrian Thomason would be a good would be a good player for 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 loss when they picked him up from Strasbourg in in the winter and then Seko for as well he's co- he's really really coming through for loss in the closing stages of the season when they really need him scored for a third game in a row he's uh, he's, he's already been involved with uh, with 12 league goals for loss this season that's two better than his previous best in his career that was back with uh, udinese in 2019 2020 I, I think pretty much we've almost said everything we can about lance this season we've and we've really just got to look look ahead and look forward to seeing them in the champions league next season haven't we
1: yeah yeah definitely um i i i think it's the thing about lance that's uh amazing is that uh they they, they seem to have almost i mean we we kind of doubted them when they had that dip in form sort of late january into february um, they've now won five in a row, which I think equals their best run this season. They've won nine of their last ten games, and the one defeat in that time was, was the three one defeat away to PSG when I, I tend to think things might have turned out a bit differently had they not had Salis Abdul Samad sent off in the first half. So they're on this extraordinary run now. There's been absolutely no no suggestion of them sort of letting up or running out of steam. Uh, Frank is is clearly a fantastic. Um, he's officially the general manager at Lens. I think he's clearly a very good man manager and a brilliant coach as well. Um, and I think if you look at what Lens are doing, I mean, they need they need two more points to be guaranteed second place. Will they play Ajaccio at home next weekend? Having covered Ajaccio's game against Rennes yesterday, I would suggest that Lens might probably get the result they need, given their extraordinary home record this season. And if you just look at the the number of points they've got on the board, I mean, Christophe Galtier said this after PSG's win last night. He said, you know, um, one of the reasons that he was saying that PSG deserve uh, credit for being about to win the title is that the team in second place have been so impressive this season. I mean, again, Loss have got 78 points now with two games remaining. That's seven points more than Marseille finished the season with last year when they came in second place. And I I went I went and had a look back through the, the points totals of the teams who finished in second over the last decade. And if if you look at the times that the the times at which PSG have won the league, um Lens are on course to have the highest points tally of any team to come second to PSG in that time. So Monaco on two occasions have been runners up to PSG with 80 points, but Los with two games left have 78. So they're on course to beat that. In other words, the only two occasions in which a team has uh, got more points than that finished in second place is the two times that PSG have come second in 2017 and 2021. So they are on um, a level which PSG have not had to cope with in terms of a team chasing them in the Qatar era when they've been on the course to win the league. Are, are have had a f- fabulous season. They do not let up. They play brilliant football. They 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 play they, the the team is greater um than you know than then the individuals put them together it's it's you know it's, it's a testament to the wonderful job done by Frank ez and and again yeah we've talked about them sort of you know endlessly over the last few weeks but they they thoroughly deserve to be playing champions league football next season
2: they certainly do i just i just wanted to say andy that um if if anybody could write in and suggest uh for andy to do anything else because he could He clearly didn't have uh, very much to do on Sunday afternoon (laughs) if he was looking through the last the last tallies of the (laughs) second place finishes in Liga over the last ten years. But uh, I actually did that
1: this morning when I was in bed when I was waiting to get up for the podcast. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Oh, the behind the behind the the, the, that's going to be brilliant for the making of documentary of this podcast, Andy. Well, uh...
1: my bed, which is just by just behind me there. If I if I fall backwards, (laughs) I will fall onto my bed. But for for me, it's always a case on a Monday morning of trying to get out of bed and having terrible struggle to get up to record this podcast an ungodly well hour. you are well, you,
2: you, hiding you're hiding it well you're hiding it well <laughs> an, an ungodly hour when most people have already been behind their desks for half an hour yeah, but, no, but uh, mo- it's but true most, that they...
1: most 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 people are not up working on a sunday night until midnight are they Ian? so let's, uh, let, let's this is let's,
2: uh, this let, is, is true been, <laughs> been there and done been there and done that i, I think that possibly uh, there's an interesting point about uh, this summer for loss because we, we did talk about whether loss actually need to to strengthen um over the summer given that they will have a champions league group stage campaign maybe they don't need to strengthen quite as much as most people looking at it from outside would would think looking at the names and, and not really seeing any names that stand out they could well lose players let's hope not because that that would be a, i think that would be a significant blow however they did lose their sporting director. Uh, Florence here, I think, back in Ju- January, maybe even a little bit before, uh, to Nice. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how he goes this summer at Nice. But it's also interesting to see how I think it's Franquez who's basically taken over his role and see how he goes in in building the squad, looking ahead to to next season. That all to come this summer.
3: I, I think that um, the, the big thing for Lance over the summer is. Whether or not they have to go through the playoff or whether or not they go straight into the group stage, it looks like they're going to go into the group stage. And that will make a big difference, I think, to how they launch the next season because it means that they can have a proper pre-season. They can get ready the way they would like to, unlike Monaco, who found that their pre-season was broken up by having to play um, playoff matches to get into the Champions League, which didn't work. And I think that a team like Lons. They need, I think, uh, to have that good run into a new season. And if they do, and they add a couple of clever signings, and let's face it, they have shown that they know what they're doing when they bring in players. Uh, They bring in players who are a little bit under the radar almost, and then they turn them into stuff that they actually need. And I think that if they can do that, then I think that they will be better placed to cope with the demands of a Champions League campaign alongside trying to maintain what they have done in the progression that they've achieved since they were uh, promoted three seasons ago.
2: Well, elsewhere, uh, Brest will be in Ligue 1 next season. A good win for them. A fifth home win in a row. It's really their their form at the Stade Francis Le Blais, that's that's kept them up. They're now eight points clear of 17th place. Nantes following a 2-1 win against Clermont this weekend. Following Balogun. 20th league goal of the season for him. Uh, but Will still was... Will still was raging after this uh, after this game. I don't know if you saw that that gentleman, but he said we didn't respect ourselves and we didn't respect the game <laughs> as uh, they played out. At, at, uh, <laughs> I'm uh, I'm cu- I didn't see the game, but I'm curious. I'm I'm now going to watch the highlights and expect some X-rated football from 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 Reims. Uh Two-two against uh, relegated Angers. Balakin, interestingly, declaring his uh, international commitment to the United States.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: in in midweek ending speculation that he could uh he could uh, get a call up to the senior england uh, squad which i think if he were able to continue this the, the goal scoring form that he's shown in Ligue 1, i don't think there's any suggestion that he uh he wouldn't be in contention uh, for a place in the england squad so interesting that Balogun has uh has declared for the usa and perhaps a, a significant loss for england uh, and he's probably Probably cheering internally at that God, one as a, as a as a proud Scotsman. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I I do
1: I think though Ian the I, I would I mean I don't know what the um you know whatever Fulham Balogun says it's, it, we don't know exactly why he's decided to 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 go with the USA instead of England but I think I would imagine that the part of the thought process is that he realizes that even if he wanted to play for England that it might not be as easy for him to break into the England team, that there might not be a level of appreciation in England about what he's doing this season at Rance, that he might not be getting his chance in the Premier League anytime soon. And ultimately, to get into the England team, you need to be scoring 15, 20 goals a season in the Premier League. And even then, that might not be good enough. And I think the, the contrast is that in the US, I think that, that those who follow soccer in the US, um, they they tend to follow what's going on with the American players, or potential American players playing in, in, in any of the European leagues. They see Balogun scoring 20 goals for Reims in Ligue 1, and I think they will fully appreciate what he's doing and will be keen to give him his chance in, in, in the US national team. And of course, the USA will be the co-hosts of the World Cup in in, in three years' time and that's an exciting opportunity for any, any, American, um, any American player to potentially be involved in that. So I, I can see why Balogun has made that decision.
3: On the other hand, though, I mean, Jude Bellingham uh, has proved that you can play outside of uh, the Premier League and still uh, attract attention enough to be able to go to a World Cup. But whether or not he's he's, seen in the same level as uh, Jude Bellingham is another thing.
1: Well, exactly. He's playing for Borussia Dortmund uh, in in, in front of crowds of 80,000, a team that might be about to win the Bundesliga, a team that's been playing in the Champions League. Fularen Balogun is playing for um, a, a, a modest league on club uh, who are in mid table and i think you know I, I don't think the comparison is is i'm not sure that you could make the comparison between those two but yeah of course it, it, english players clearly can go can go abroad and do well and it's a shame that more of them don't do it to be honest
2: and balogun 22 in july july the 3rd almost on on, on independence day born <laughs> in new york and and i think you're right andy 3 years in 3 years time he's 25 i think us soccer are looking at that and saying well he starts to play with us now. He'll get regular international games, which, which, as you're right, it would be at least it would be touch and go whether he would break into the England side prior to the World Cup, and that's a, that's that's another three years away. Um, so it's pro- probably a smart move for 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 both sides, really. Tois already relegated as well. Strasbourg, they're almost safe. A, a one-one draw though at Tois for. Uh, for Strasbourg at the weekend. Ronnie Lopez uh, getting a draw with a fine free kick. Strasbourg dropping 15 points after leading in Liga this season. If they dare uh, if they kept those they might be near the Champions League places. Um well
3: I have been consistent and... <laughs> in my belief that they won't get relegated.
2: <laughs> they 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 almost certainly will not would no, almost certainly exactly, will not get yeah. relegated. So I've delivered
3: uh, five half point... of my promise.
2: Five points clear of five points clear of sixteenth uh, place, Auxerre. Uh, they've got uh, a couple of games to to make that mathematically certain, but uh, they should be safe. Very, very not safe. Very unsafe. Are not beaten three nil by Montpellier uh, this weekend, and uh, that meant that they were watching Auxerre's game against Paris Saint Germain, with uh, potentially knowing that if if Auxerre won that game. Uh, They'd be uh, they'd be in uh, a huge amount of trouble, which of course was a big ask. But more on PSG, Osaire a little bit later. Another tough day at the office uh, for for Pierre Aristoui. the his first home game in charge. Not not ideal. Uh, the fans not happy, never happy, or haven't been happy with uh, Valdemar Quita, the the non-president for for quite some time. But not uh, not in serious trouble. They it's they and Osaire now who are playing off, really, to uh, survive in Ligue 1. Three of the four relegation spots already decided, of course. Angers, Ajaccio, and Antoine, already assured of uh, Ligue 2 football next season. Nantes in 17th on 33 points. Auxerre in 16th on 34 points. Perhaps significantly, Auxerre have a worse goal difference, though. Uh, minus eight in comparison to Nantes. Time for a little light relief from the, the football. It's time for our Deja who segment. Of course, you can win a League 1 Uber Eats jersey every single month. All you have to do is answer the clues, email them in to us, league one podcast at gmail.com. Here's this week's clue Who am I? I come from a footballing family and arrived in France at just 17 years of age, the first step of an illustrious career that saw me play for three different clubs in Ligue 1, as well as in four other countries. Along the way, I won the Coupe de France, La Liga, the Copa del Rey, and the Champions League, amongst other trophies. Remarkably, I scored in all but one season of my 18-year club career. I also earned over 100 caps for my country. Who am I and who was my most famous relative? As I said, if you think you know who it is, send your answers via email to league1podcast at gmail.com. Gentlemen, any, uh, any ideas for bowling dynasties?
3: I'm edging in a direction, but obviously I need to think about it a bit more, but I'm sort of... In a ballpark area, but obviously we don't. You don't have to name him, do you? So I mean, uh...
1: yeah, barely yeah, sure it's not the Maldives. I, 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 <laughs> I know who it is. I just don't want to see. No, I've not got a clue because I was, I was, I was not paying attention. I'll be honest. <laughs> oh Send Fifty lines I just got.
2: Honestly, exactly. <laughs> just one game left for us to 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 look at. Then this weekend it was the Sunday night game in uh, Burgundy in the in the old haunt of Angus to Road in fact Auxerre uh, and the visitors Paris Saint-Germain the uh, city was was on fire with uh, Messi and Mbappé heading heading to the Stade de l'Abbé des Champs Armel Tongi. saw this one
0: sealing that 5-0 win as Fabian Ruiz picks it up in the middle Messi well closed down but it's come to Mbappé danger here for Auxerre Mbappé still going that is as clinical as you will see what a goal that is from Kylian Mbappe. Outrageously skillful. Well, it looks so easy, it's like he's training. Cuts in, cuts out, back out. Into the top corner. No goalkeeper in world football is going to stop Kylian Mbappe from scoring with that kind of shot. Mbappé, who might be in again, the first time shot, oh wow, 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 wow! Is there any way you can stop this man? It's the sort of chance that comes and goes in a game, but when your name is Kylian Mbappé, the chance comes and you finish it. You've barely played nine minutes here, Kylian Mbappé's got two. What a start from him. Costa flicks on for Lassine Sinayoko, goal side of Zaire Emery, it's through, Donnarumma, and it's 2-1. Oxair have pulled one back, and look at the belief in Lassine Sinayoko's face. Wonderful flick on from Da Costa. Route 1 football, if you like, but it was effective there. Sinayoko, with a left-footed shot, took a nick on its way through. Gianluigi Donnarumma couldn't get down quickly enough as a result. Oxair with a bit of hope now
2: just one goal behind. Well, gentlemen, a fantastic atmosphere. Uh, as you might expect, uh, the OCR fans turning out in force, I presume, I presume not only to see Mbappé and Messi, but also to try and spur their side on to, to, a, to a victory, or at least a point, that uh, would have significantly boosted their chances of staying in, in, in Ligue 1 next season. But it seems to me that uh, <laughs> Paris Saint-Germain have, have been very minimalist in in the last few weeks sort of scraping by this this one it seems that killian mbappe only had to play for 2 minutes and 12 seconds and and that was enough for the 3 points
3: yeah i mean um it was an astonishing start i was commentating the game for um, psg tv and uh, it was quite phenomenal oser just looked as though they'd never seen killian mbappe before uh, <laughs> uh, they, just, they left it. i mean the 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 first goal, to be fair, was a little bit different. I mean, it was a fantastic piece of work between Messi and Babin um, Ruiz. I'm not quite sure how deliberate the pass from Ruiz was because he seemed to shank it a little bit through to Mbappe. But Mbappe's footwork, somehow Gautier Hine became the man who was trying to stop him score, coming back from a forward position. But it was absolutely brilliant uh, play from him. And then Ose seemed to be completely shocked by that. The atmosphere in the stadium just died because it was absolute fervor before that, as you would expect. And um, then all of a sudden uh, Mbappe scored again, left completely on his own inside the, um, the penalty area, smacked it in again. And from there, you thought, Ugh, well, they were beaten 5-0 earlier in the season. This could be worse if uh, they don't pull themselves together. And it took a long time for Oser to pull themselves together. Paris Saint-Germain completely dominated the first half. But in the second half, in fact, just before the time interval, there was a, an amazing um, shot from Ravalosan that cannoned back off the bar that really lifted um, the Osea supporters. And that seemed to still be there when the second half started. And um, Sineyoko was put through, went underneath Donnarumma, who I thought was a bit unlucky last night because he came up with several really good saves to stop Osea actually even winning it. And um, you can still see that Paris Saint-Germain are still a little bit vulnerable, as they have been in many games through this uh, season, to uh, teams that attack them with pace. And Oser saw that that was the way to do it. They consistently tried to do it. Gautier Hine had an amazing game, and um, uh, Donna Rumor and him seemed to enter into a sort of personal duel for uh, much of the game. He had a fantastic game, but they really just they built. And you can see that if you were to have offered Oser this position, at the beginning of the season and even more in October when they spent a two or three month period in the bottom four, I think they would have bitten your arm off to have this chance to have it in their own hands going into these last two games. And I think that they have shown a real ability to pull together and it's all down to Christophe Palessier. I think since he came, took over from Jean-Marc that he's managed to really make them solid defensively and they don't score a lot of goals, though, so they are really dependent on holding on to Leeds when they've got them. And more often than not, particularly in recent games since he took over, they've managed to do that. And I think that it's still not safe. I'm still keeping my fingers crossed, but I'd given up, I must admit, earlier on in the season. And they are, I think, they are now in a position where they could well perform the miracle and stay up.
2: Well, they are they are trying to make things exciting because they've lost three of their last four, picked up just a, <laughs> a single point, having, having lost, which is which is very we're very thoughtful of them because otherwise the relegation race would have been over as well after losing uh, one of their previous eleven. So you're right, Policia doing a, a fantastic job, and for those who those of you who don't remember Policia, who did a, a brilliant job at Amia uh, prior to this, getting back to back promotions from the from the third tier, I think up into uh, up into the up into Ligue 1. And uh, establishing them there uh, as well for a, for a couple of seasons. The, the run ins for the two, we'll come back to PSG in, in, in a second, but Auxerre, so in Auxerre in 16th place, as I mentioned, just a point ahead of Nantes, they ha- they go to Toulouse and are at home to Lens. Hmm. Nantes go away to Lille and are at home to Angers. Uh, on paper, Auxerre have by far the trickier running.
1: Auxerre have got a trickier running, but they're a point ahead of Nantes, and I, I can't. I mean, not Nantes are just in such a dreadful run. They haven't won in thirteen games. They've not scored in the last four games. I'm not sure where a win is going to come from for them. And obviously, you look at that game against Angers in the last day of the season, you think it might come there. But I mean, he, he, even then, I, I'm just not sure at the moment. So I think, you know o- Osser, even not getting another point might be <laughs> might might not matter for Oser to be honest. Their away form has actually improved. And they'll be up against the Toulouse
3: side, who you could argue now have nothing more to play for. Um, so if there is a, a solid chance, if they take it to the last game, then i become a little bit more wary. Although at least that, that final game is at the Stade Labbe-de-Jean rather than at the Stade Bollet. Otherwise, I think it would just be curtains. But um, I think there is, still, there is still a major chance. And as Andy says, I think Nantes, they are in a, they're in a real quandary at the moment. So I don't you wonder where the next point is going to come from for them.
2: Yes, but if they do get a point and Osear don't get a point, as I mentioned, Nantes goal difference significantly better than than says It would be uh, it would be a real shame to lose Osear on goal difference, but uh, non either way, uh, two big names of French football. One of them will be in Ligue 2 next season. Just a, a couple of stats for you: um, Isaac Torre. Is uh, two meters and six six foot, six foot seven and a half. I I, I say that because uh, because uh, st- <laughs> Stephen Willis, our producer, just wrote uh, Isaac Torre is really effing big. So I thought that I would uh, I would po- I would I would point that out. Um, exactly, he is he is very big, and he's actually uh, he's actually quite a quite a good young player as well. On loan from on loan from Marseille. Let's see where he ends up uh, in in the summer. I picked up from La Havre. Last summer. Now, uh, slightly less impressive stats or or perhaps, um, but slightly more appropriate ones. Kylian Mbappé. Kylian Mbappé on course to beat the highest tally of goals for a Frenchman ever. Juste Fontaine, 1957-58, scored 53. That's including uh, club and country in all competitions. Mbappé, 51 goals from 52. This uh, this this season, forty goals in all competitions for Paris Saint-Germain. He's just two off his career best, uh, which is uh, back in 21 twenty one twenty two. Uh, so last uh, last season, in fact, uh, Mbappe quickest brace in Ligue one since Johan Gouffron. Remember him when he was at Bordeaux against Orsay And I think this is this is a kind of this is an interesting stat for me. And I think it comes into the narrative of. Lionel Messi's two-year stint at Paris Saint-Germain being, being a failure. He's the only player, Messi, to have scored at least 20 and at least 20 assists in all competitions this season in Europe's top five leagues. And this weekend, he got his 300th assist of his club career in, in, in all competitions. I'm sure this is something that we'll look at uh, right at the end of the season, but... Uh, you know that that connection between Messi and Messi and Mbappe has has really pulled Paris Saint Germain out of the fire in the in the last couple of weeks.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, obviously the Mbappe a difference last night, and Messi um, played his part. I, I don't really know what more to say. I mean, Messi, listen, is good. <laughs> well, but the, but he's he's held to such high standards because of what he did previously at Barcelona. You know, look at what he did at the World Cup with Argentina. He has not been that good in Liga. Let that. Let's not try and say now. Oh, just because he's, you know, his his numbers are okay. Um, Messi's standards are so high. You can't turn around and say, oh, you know, he's he's been the Messi that we imagined that he would be. So, I don't really know what else there is to say about that. I mean, I'm not going to stand here and say now. Oh, yeah, it's been brilliant. The, the reality is that the two seasons of Messi in Paris have not been. Have not been what anybody um, hoped for. You know, least of all Paris Saint Germain. I think they were hoping that he would he would be the man to drag them um, to the Champions League, and, and it's not. And that's the thing, because because I mean PSG are about to win the league and title, the six points ahead of Lance with six points to play for. The goal difference is, is is better by sixteen. So there's not really any situation now where you could any scenario now where you can imagine PSG not winning the league. Okay, so they're going to win a second straight league. With Messi in the team, but when we come, can we come to assessing Messi's impact at PSG? Uh, that's not what we're going to focus on first and foremost. So you know, I mean, yeah, his his numbers have been okay. Yes, he's had a good understanding with Mbappe this season. Yes, I can see why he's nominated for Player of the Year, but it's still been disappointing. Excellent,
3: because now I get yeah. a chance to disagree with Andy, who's, uh, which is very
1: very <laughs> rare. Because usually
3: I just listen to listen to him as if he's some sort of footballing god, but. <laughs> I think that um, I, I think that Messi has been excellent, and I think the thing is we cannot compare the Messi of now, an older player, with the Messi that he was at the peak of his powers when he was with Barcelona. Yeah, and that's I, fair enough. But every, every time I've, I've done Messi, Angus,
1: but Angus, I've what, been, Angus, what about what about the World Cup, which happened in the middle of this season?
3: Yeah, but it's a short, it's a short, um, you know tournament where you sort of like it's high impact you get in you get out and you you and he is somebody who i will get to the champs just before you jump in at me again at the world cup he rose to that level the world cup was always going to be his main focus because of the fact that it was the tournament that without it he wouldn't be able to be regarded as the greatest player that has ever lived and when he won it and he came back, and it's not surprising that in the short term after that, he would struggle to get those motivation levels back up again. And it was oh, the same for, uh, for Kylian Mbappe, I think, as but well. He, but, Angus, that's, Angus that's, that's, not the, that's
1: not the point. That's not the point of this discussion. The point is that over the two years he spent in Paris, he has not been the player that I think the PSG hoped he would be, um, that probably any of us expected he would be. Now, there are, a lot, of course, there are lots of reasons for that. And, and what you're saying, I understand, but... Uh, we can't stand here now and say, oh, yeah, but the World Cup took it out of him. I mean, that, I'm not just talking about the, the post-World Cup. I'm talking about the 18 months before that, and particularly last season. Now, of course, there are lots of reasons why oh, yeah. he struggled at mm. first. But anyway... Not the, not the least of which is that the the
3: team of Paris Saint-Germain is not based around him. So he's had to he's had to fit in, <laughs> which is not
1: something he's generally had to do. It's too early in the morning for me to have this have this discussion. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Well, let's let, let's. You mentioned the Player of the Season uh, awards, and and Messi is nominated yeah. for for what uh, in France is known as the UNFP uh, trophy. It's a very catchy, very catchy title. <laughs> I, I I always think is to do with the, uh, the the French players, the French players' union. Player of the season, Player of the season. Louis Appender, Jonathan David, for Fofana, Messi, and Mbappe. So two last players, two PSG players, and uh, Jonathan David
1: because <laughs> yeah. you had to have one jonathan in there didn't you it's uh, it's it's hard, hard to disagree with that and and actually this the, something that i was thinking about um in the last couple of weeks which i think is worth bringing up is that i know a lot of clubs around europe will be watching uh, jonathan david will have been watching him very closely and Lille will likely sell him for a lot of money this summer and and it got me thinking that could it not be the case that a lot of those clubs who've been watching Jonathan David a lot this season might have said to themselves in the last few weeks, do you know what? Actually, Luis Openda might be a better player than Jonathan David. Now, I'm not saying that I necessarily um, think that, but I think it's possible. And, you know, I think it's a discussion worth having. It's worth considering, you know, who has the greater potential, um, who has made the greater impact this season. I mean, Jonathan David, I think about a third of his goals in League 1 have been penalties. Now, there are other you know what, what he does off the ball um, might be more significant i don't know he's 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 fast he's also really strong luis openda is in, in an incredibly lively player i just think back to the the game that lost lost in paris a few weeks ago when they were down to 10 men for most of the game he was brilliant in that match absolutely brilliant in that game he was sensational and that's when lost were down to 10 men he almost dragged them back into it the way he was playing so i think these are two brilliant strikers um jonathan david will almost certainly leave this summer Luis Openda with a bit of luck will stay at Lons next season but the two players who I I think I can see going on to have the kind of impact in in another major European league that for example Victor Ozymen has gone on mm. to have since leaving Neil and go, mm. gone to Napoli Um, these these are two brilliant strikers and and the, the shame for them is that they're up against Kylian Mbappe in the <laughs> In the, in the running for the Player of the Year award. Nice to think though that we think the same way sometimes because I was
3: literally just writing down Victor Rosiman's name as you said it because of that. I think that Jonathan David, I wonder how many clubs though will be influenced by him being almost anonymous at the World Cup because when it was on the biggest stage, he, he, he really did fluff his lines. But maybe it was just because it was too early in his career. I don't know. But um, it, when I watched him at the World Cup, I was like, oh, that's, that's, uh, that's a bit painful f- for him. And I also don't understand why Alexander Lacazette is not in that lineup instead of Jonathan David. To be quite honest with you, because Lacazette's um, season has been nothing short of sensational in a team that has otherwise really struggled uh, yeah. to, to to find a proper direction.
1: Yeah, I think that's I think that's fair. But I mean, it comes down to uh, it. It comes down to. I'm, I'm, am I right in saying this? It's that it's the players nominate the the nominees first of all, and then they know, so. Yeah. You know, I mean listen, you you and I might agree on that, but ultimately mm. if enough people decide that David gets in ahead of Lacazette, then there's not much we can say about it. But yeah, Lacazette has been has been absolutely brilliant this year for, for Leon. And as you say, in, in a team that have not done as well, um, that almost makes it stand out even more. You know, the way he's led them as well. You know, it's it's been phenomenal the way that he has he's come in, he's the
3: captain straight away. He has always just been lifting the young players not getting on their cases allowing them to express themselves in the same way actually that uh, Laurent blanc has has done as well um, from the sidelines and uh, i just think he 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 couldn't have dreamed of a better season for him personally maybe not for leon but for personally he's been absolutely sensational
2: well there are two lead two leon players in the young player of the season awards bradley barkler who has been fabulous since since about january uh, Elias Ben of of Monaco. The other Lyon player is inevitably Ryan Shirky. Um Nuno Mendes from uh, PSG, and then surely, surely the young player of the season is Eliuahi of of Montpellier. He's the other nominee.
1: I, I I don't disagree with that. Although Bradley Barcola's impact has been has been um, has been massive for Lyon. I mean, I covered Lyon's game last week away in Clermont when he wasn't playing, and and that was really striking. You know, Lyon were nothing like as good without him. So. Uh, he's he's a really and he's a really different player as well. That's kind of long, bandy legs of his. He's somebody I like, but yeah, Eli wise is really exciting.
2: Goalkeeper of the season and uh, Gianluigi Donnarumma won it last season. Uh, this season, Lucas Chevalier. Donnarumma again. Paul Lopez, uh, Paul Lopez, interestingly, the only Marseille player uh, in any of the nominees. Anthony Lopez uh, of Lyon, curious choice, and uh, Brie Samba, who. Uh, has the potential given that the loss have the best defensive record yeah. it's probably going to oh. be it's probably going to be Brisamba, which is uh which is which is nice for him in his first season uh in in Ligue 1 his first real full season in Ligue 1 coach of the season nominees Fonseca Gaston, Francais, the winner because let's we we'll just get that one out of the way already <laughs> Philippe Montagnier, Igor Tudor but uh, probably the, the 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 only controversy in there is, is that S is going to win it and has to obviously no galtier
1: is that no christoph galtier is that controversially I, I i know that it, i know that there was i mean i, I read an article in in Le Keep suggesting that it was a controversy and that certain people in league and were um didn't understand why he was not nominated i mean the thing is the manager of the year award should go to a manager who who overperforms with his team now psg are going to win the league but has can you honestly say that christoph galtier has done any better than expectations He's doing it in a landscape where there are lots of really impressive managers. I think that's been obvious from the beginning. And I think that he, the, some people have said Paolo Fonseca shouldn't be in there. For me, Paolo Fonseca, I said it before, he's an intelligent, innovative coach. He's doing really interesting things at Lille. Um, and you can clearly see what he's doing there. So I think you know—I I think he deserves to be on that list. There are actually a couple of other names who aren't on the list, who, um, who maybe could have been on the list, like Regis Labris and Will Still you know both guy and, and and maybe the argument for will still might be that he wasn't there at the beginning of the season but you know i th- i think that christophe galtier not being on there is for me is just it's it's just not a subject it's not it's not an, it's not it's not up for discussion if you're the coach of paris saint-germain you begin the season with an absolutely utterly enormous advantage and that has to be taken into account you know what frank has done at loss is the example of somebody performing beyond reasonable expectations and, and he deserves to win it of course
2: I, I agree it's just it's just precedent this precedent and the 2013 uh Galtier at Saint-Etienne shared it with uh, Carlo Ancelotti 2015 uh Laurent Blanc Paris Saint-Germain coach 2016 Laurent Blanc Paris Saint-Germain coach 2017 Leonardo Jardim uh, title winning coach uh, with Monaco but... uh, Unai Emery PSG in 2018 oh, yeah, but... uh, Galtier again when Lille Leal won it which was which was an obvious choice last season they kind of went a little bit off piste and went went with Bruno Genesio but I mean not to have the coach not to have him in the in in the in the, in the nominees for me it's a little bit it's a, more than a little bit unusual.
3: Well, I think Andy's right, though. it has been a very, very good year for um, for a lot of um, French coaches this time around. I mean, Philippe Montagnier is on there. Um, I mean, not just the fact that they won the uh, the Coupe de France, but also the way that um, they're the only um, they're the only team that came up from uh, League de last season who have never been in trouble in uh, their first season back up in the top flight, and that's no easy thing to do. Particularly when you consider that there are four teams going down this season, so it made it doubly difficult. For any of those three teams that came up, I mean, um, yeah, that's a couple of seasons ago. Um, Ajaxio, uh, already gone. Oser teetering on the edge. Um, So you could argue that Christophe Pellessier has uh, performed miracles in one way as well. But there are lots of coaches in this season, I think, who have overperformed with their teams. And I think that's probably why it's led to somebody like Christophe Galtier not being involved this time around. And he has been criticised a lot this season, Galtier. So it's, it's a, a mini-controversy, but I wouldn't go as far as saying it's a major one. Well, you can let us know what you think. You can
2: uh, catch us on Twitter at league One underscore ENG. And uh, please do like, subscribe, follow, and recommend us on all the uh, usual podcast platforms. Just one more thing to do then, it's uh, to take a look ahead to round 37 of the Ligue 1 Uber Eats season, the penultimate games for the 2022-23 campaign, this time for a little Bon Voyage. So gentlemen, some really big games in terms of what's happening at the top of the table, a couple of big games as well. In terms of the the last relegation place uh, between Nantes and Auxerre. where do you fancy going, Andy? Back to bed.
1: Ah, uh, <laughs> back to bed. <laughs> back to bed. Yeah, back to bed. I was at the Parc De France last night to see Lyon win the Women's League title. By the way, that's where I was last night, and I'd like to, I'd like to give them a shout out because. Um, that's the 16th title in 17 years, which is not bad. But where would I go next weekend? Probably Wren. Wren against Monaco, I think, is is going to be a a fantastic game. Um, and as I mentioned before, fourth place is still in play. Wren are only three points behind Monaco. They're one point behind Lille. So they could uh, finish the season not in Europe at all. They could finish the season going into... The Europa Conference League or or the Europa League, and and the same the same could could apply to Monaco. So that that the stakes are high in that game. Rennes are really good at home. Monaco have not been on good form recently. Uh, there should be goals in that game because Rennes score goals. They've been scoring goals for fun recently. Monaco have been conceding a lot of goals. And Razon Park, as we've said so many times on this podcast, is 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 a great fun place to go to. So that would be my choice for for the game to attend next weekend when of course all matches been played at the same time so you really can only go to one well i I must admit it would be tempting to
3: to to go to strasbourg to see whether paris saint-germain can wrap up the title but that would just bring up too many bad memories in so many different ways that that's not somewhere i think i'm prepared to go this time around from a personal point of view to lose because um i think that that is the chance for oser to um to make themselves safe I think that if they leave it until the last round against Launce, it's not going to happen. So it's uh, it really is it's their cup final this season um, down there in the southwest. So I think I would probably, from my own point of view, I would I would go to Toulouse to to see if Oseir can stay up. But there are some great um, there are some great consequences that can be seen this weekend. But I wouldn't say that there's a game that really stands out in terms of two big sides that play to each other. So it's uh, I think definitely I'll stick with the Toulouse trip. Yeah,
2: there's also a uh, loss against the Jacksio Marseille against Brest. They're their duel at distance for for second place. The Ren Monaco one is 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 interesting. I think uh, the game in uh, Lille as well. Lille against Nantes. Um, implications at both ends of the table table for that one. Um, let's see how Nice fare when they go to Mo- to Montpellier. Who've been in tremendous form, and uh, that that could be a game which. Shall we say it irritates the Nice fans uh, all all the more and as Angus mentioned. Paris Saint Germain go to Strasbourg, where if uh, if they avoid defeat, they will be crowned champions of Ligue 1 Uber Eats for an eleventh time. That will be the record. Well, that's all from us for this week. We'll be back again next week, of course, to wrap up all of those uh, round thirty-seven. Fixtures, you can uh, see all the highlights as well of those games. And of course, all of the, the games throughout the season on the official league uh, website. That's league1.com. So Le Bourget back next week then. Will PSG wrap up that title? Lance looking to fend off Marseille and qualify for that group stage in the Champions League. Nantes, can they save their skins? Angus Therode for one is hoping desperately that they can't. Laurent Blanc's Lyon may still sneak into Europe, but uh, it's going to be incredibly nail-biting for all concerned next weekend over 90 minutes. We'll see you again then. From uh, Andy Angus and myself, Ian Holyman, it's bye-bye for now.
0: The second Neymar still. Oh, my word, what a goal.
1: Delivery again, Duzi's header! Here's an opportunity, Sanchez! Outrageous goal from Gael Kakuta!
0: Play it again! And don't back. Messi again, this time maybe Messi's done it!